You know, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a race, but it's not a sprint. And the Bible talks about running the race with patience. Now, it's one thing to be patient while you're just sitting around, but I've observed this. If you're active in serving the Lord, if you're really trying to get something accomplished for God, if you have a burden, if your heart's into it, and you want stuff to move along, and it doesn't, that's when it's hard. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If you're sitting around, this message isn't for you. If you're running for the Lord, let's talk, all right? The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the very last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, and the 14th chapter, Revelation chapter 14. I noticed uh, this last week that a, a comic strip author had come out of retirement. Bill Watterson retired from his comic strip of Calvin and Hobbes, I think back in 1995, quite a while ago. And uh, now he's, he's back in the saddle and, and uh, not burned out anymore, wants to keep writing. I think one of the, uh, the favorite Calvin and Hobbes strips that I saw was the little boy coming out of the kitchen and he had a frozen dinner, a TV dinner in his hands, and he hollered over to to Cobbs, and he said, three minutes to microwave. Who has that kind of time? You know, that's the day and age in which we live in. Who has that kind of time? We're a very, very impatient culture, are we not? Well, here in Revelation chapter 14, just one verse, verse 12, says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Notice that expression, patience of the saints. I'd like to talk today about some encouraging words for impatient saints. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we come before thee. We ask you to help us, please, deal with this, this uh, aversion we have to waiting. How I'm praying now, dear Lord, that you would help us to look to the scriptures and, Father, that we would apply what we hear at this hour. And, Lord, no doubt, in a group this size, there are some who are waiting, waiting on something. And something perhaps different comes to every mind here. Help us now to realize it's part of the process of you growing us up to learn to wait. And we pray for your help, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been said that patience is a virtue... Possess it if you can. Found seldom in a woman, never in a man. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I've mentioned Phillips Brooks before, the writer of O Little Town of Bethlehem. I've told you the illustration of him uh, pacing back and forth and uh, wringing his hands and, and being in a hurry where God isn't. But it was Brooks who made this comment. He said, The purposes of God often develop slow, His grand designs are never in a hurry. Isn't that the truth? The purposes of God often develop slowly, and His grand designs are never in a hurry. Now, our text here, verse number 12, talks about the patience of the saints. Here are they 
that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The Bible says much about the patience of God's people. The Bible says much about waiting. Do you know the word wait is found over a hundred times in the Bible? Many of us consider it a four-letter word. I say us because we hate to wait. But the Bible speaks much about waiting. And yet, it's never been harder than in the day and age in which we're living to wait. Everything's gotten so fast-paced. There are many times I wish I could have lived during the days of Charles Ingalls. You know, the little house in the prairie days where you just kind of uh, worked hard all day and, and you went in at, at dusk and you ate and you played the fiddle and you talked around the candlelight as a family and you went to bed and you got up the next morning and, and it was such a much slower pace. We are, we are groomed today to thinking that everything has to take place at an accelerated speed and even our television has within it half-hour sitcoms where in the first 10 minutes this problem arises. Oh, they're wringing their hands. What are we going to do about this? And then in the next uh, 10 minutes, it kind of works itself out and irons itself out, and in the last 10 minutes, it's fixed. And so we think life is really that way, that it just kind of gets fixed within a half hour. That's not reality. We are so impatient, we have instant pudding, and we have minute rice, and we have microwave ovens, and we have cell phones, and we have wash machines now, and we have cook stoves, and water heaters, and computers, and high-speed internet, and if 3, 3G isn't fast enough, there's 4G, and then there's 5G, and, and where's it going to end? I mean, how fast do we really have to get? We just have to have everything at lightning speed. And, and now they have like 10-minute workouts. We know you're too busy to work out for a half hour. And so they just keep whittling the thing back because, well, we're just on the treadmill turning it up more all the time. And you would think the more gadgets we have now would equal more patience, but it, they don't. We just get more and more impatient in the times in which we're living in. Now, what about Christian people? Are we exempt are we immune from this thing of being impatient? We say, well, we're saved now. It's, it, it's different for us. But no, we, we still have issues with waiting as well. You know that in Revelation chapter 6, we won't take the time to turn there, but we find Christian people in heaven, a heavenly scene, and they know what's going on back on the earth. And you know what they're saying? How long, O oh Lord? Have you ever read that? How long, O oh Lord? We say that down here, don't we? How long, O oh Lord? Sounds like a preacher in the middle of a building project, amen? <laughs> How long, O oh Lord? How long is this thing going to go on? You know, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a race, but it's not a sprint. And the Bible talks about running the race with patience. Now, it's one thing to be patient while you're just sitting around, but I've observed this. If you're active in serving the Lord, if you're really trying to get something accomplished for God, if you have a burden, if your heart's into it, and you want stuff to move along, and it doesn't, that's when it's hard. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If you're sitting around, this message isn't for you. If you're running for the Lord, let's talk, all right? One of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 is to be long-suffering. Is it possible? I mean, the day and age in which we're living in, is it possible to be long-suffering? Are you currently waiting on something right now? I know I am. Several things. And they have not happened on my calendar, according to my timetable. They seldom do. I, I normally tend to run ahead. But if you have something you're currently wishing would take place right now, 
Listen very carefully as we talk about some encouraging words for impatient saints. Let's look at a few thoughts. As we talk about patience, let's look at, first of all, the display of patience. The display of patience. The models of patience in the Bible. The examples of patience. Those who really practiced it. You know, those who we find in the Bible had to wait, had to really display some very, very great patience. Can you imagine Moses waiting 40 years? Can you imagine Paul waiting in a dungeon, as anxious as he was, as ADHD, as as type A as Paul was, waiting in a dungeon, cooling his heels there when he's wishing he could be out sailing the Mediterranean, bringing the gospel to another place? Can you imagine Jesus Christ for 30 years waiting to finally make his public appearance? Working those days and weeks and months in his carpenter shop, knowing what his mission really was, but wanting to be on God's timetable. You know, I think of Abraham. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 6, if you would. Abraham, that, that brightest star in the Hebrew heaven, we call him, who was raised in, in Ur of the Chaldees and, and called out of there by God for a special mission, God was going to use him to start and found the Jewish race. And so he calls him out of that heathen area, and he says, you're going to have a baby, you and Sarah. Well, he's 90. He waits another 10 years after waiting 90 years, and finally the baby comes along and then grows up to be a teenager, and God says, now I want you to offer him up as a burnt offering. Can you imagine that? Abraham knew how to wait, and he hung in there. And we find here in Hebrews 6, Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 15, it says, And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. What was the promise? Well, the promise was for the Jewish lineage. Imagine being the the founder of a race that's still around to this day that has supernaturally survived because God has kept him around. He was going to receive the promise, not only of the lineage, but the land. The land. You say, well, what land? The land, the promised land. The navel of the earth is Palestine. That little parcel of property today about 75 miles wide by about uh, 150 miles from top to bottom. But what what a priceless piece of land. And everybody in the world wants it. And it was given to Abraham and his descendants because he patiently endured. And as a result, he obtained the promises. And then there was his son Isaac. Look back in Genesis chapter 26. If you're a student of the Bible and you read between the lines a little bit, like I do, uh, you you wonder about Isaac, because Isaac wasn't really a flashy guy. He he wasn't a famous guy. He didn't achieve the the renown of his dad, Abraham, by any means, or even his son, uh, by any means, Jacob. And yet, he has one virtue that is so noteworthy. And it was patience. He was very patient. By way of background, in in, uh, Genesis 26, we pick it up in verse number 19. It says, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek because they strove with him. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that, they strove not. And he called the name of it 
Rehoboth, and he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. You know anyone like that, where uh, life dishes them up lemons, and, and they just kind of say, Oh, well, and they just move on, and, and uh, they try again, and, and they get knocked down like bows of the punching bag, and they just keep getting up? Well, that was, that was Isaac. He was one of those, those guys who just kind of kept plodding along. And notice when they took his wells away, he didn't even fight them. You know, it's been said we ought to pick our battles wisely. Isn't that the truth? Impatient people, uh, they fight about everything. Patient, long-suffering people have learned to pick their battles wisely. Boy, I'll tell you, if I could give any husband and wife some, some tidbit of advice there, there are certain things we just don't go to guns over. We just don't go nose-to-nose and toe-to-toe because it's not worth it. And that was Isaac. He just said, this isn't worth it. We're just not going to go there. It's not worth the hassle. And uh, ultimately, he is commended of God for that because he was a patient man. Isaac is not a glitzy guy, but uh, he was a patient guy. Of course, there's Job. Job is known for his patience. And in James chapter 5, 11, God uses him as an example. He, he says, you have seen the patience of, of Job. And in the end, God was kind and merciful and all that kind of thing. It says, you have seen the patience of Job and the end of the Lord that God is pitiful and merciful. And uh, God sees the beginning from the end. Job didn't know what he's going through, but he trusted God. That's the bottom line. And that made the difference. So there's the more obvious examples of patience. But then look in Luke chapter 2. Let's look at perhaps a few more obscure displays of patience. In Luke chapter 2, we find a fellow by the name of Simeon. Simeon's an old fellow decades up there, and, and uh, I've got a picture of him in my office, not really what he looked like, but a painting of him given to me by somebody of him holding the Christ child in his arms. I think that had to be one of the most touching things in the Bible. Well, we find out in Luke chapter 2, after the birth of Christ, in verse 25, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now he knew because God had showed him that he wasn't going to die until he had held the Messiah in his arms. So every day he's wondering, is this going to be the day? Every day he's waiting. The word waiting is found in verse 25. And we find Simeon patiently waiting. It says, for the consolation of Israel. What's that talking about? Well, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, He knew that he would one day hold him. And the Bible also mentions that the Holy Ghost was upon him. If you and I are going to be patient Christian peoples, we're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is patient, and we're going to have to be filled with God. It will pay in the long run. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you would. Paul talks about this patience here in 2 Timothy, the third chapter. And Paul, I believe, was a fellow who struggled with patience. If you know his, his type, uh, you know that he was not a patient person. Uh, he was a let's get, her, get out there and get her done kind of a guy. Get her done. And he writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And in verse number 10, uh, he says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. He mentions it really in 
in two different ways. Long-suffering is kind of synonymous with patience. You, you suffer long. You put up with stuff a long time. It's kind of taking patience to the next level. And Paul talks about his, his long-suffering. Turn back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, just a few pages back. Then he turns around and he commends a local church there at Thessalonica that he had started for their patience. I believe they got it from him, and I think it's something Paul had to work on. I don't think he was saved patient. None of us are. It's something God builds in us. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and in verse number 4, he says, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Notice he says, we glory in you for your patience to the other churches. That means he was bragging about the church in Thessalonica to the church over at Corinth or the the, the churches of Galatia. He was using Thessalonica as an example of, of church folks who were very patient and trusting God with the outcome here. It's a sign of maturity. And then we could take a look at the church at Ephesus. And in Revelation 2 and verse 2, Jesus said to them, I know thy patience. I know thy patience. John himself, who wrote to that church, mentions this in Revelation 1 and verse 4. He calls himself your brother in patience. Your brother in patience. So we see Moses and Jacob and Isaac and, and, and uh, Job and Paul and John and these church folks. We see this display of patience. But secondly, we see the deficit of patience. Those of us, and I say us, who lack patience. When do you and when do I lack patience? How about in crowds? Do crowds make you impatient? Uh, do you have a hard time holding it together? How about the line at uh, Subway? <laughs> when you're, you're trying to get through your rush for lunch and uh, you got somebody ahead of you who hasn't been there before. I mean, I could be through that line in, in 10 seconds. This, 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 not that, da, 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 da. But you get somebody, um, let's see. Uh, and boy, they just take forever and, and then their credit card doesn't work. And yeah, you know, or, or slow rush hour traffic or traffic, you know, two seasons here, right? Winter and road construction. I'm telling you, they decide to tear the whole town up at the same time. It is a mess. And I'm telling you, getting around anywhere at this time of year, you talk about delays even on the interstate. It bugs me. Or the, the, the slow line at Walmart. I always get the slow line at Walmart. It, just follow me if you want to be the, the last guy out of the store because this guy's credit card won't work or that uh, UPC symbol will be ripped off and they'll have to call the manager over and the flashing light goes on. I'm going, oh, and I'm growing a beard standing there. And I'm telling you, it's just, it's very, very irritating. Or even getting out of a parking lot after a ball game, or or being patient with people—that's that's even worse. Abrasive people, maybe family members. Do we lack patience? I think most of us do. We lack patience. You say, Pastor, should we pray for patience? Well, I don't, <laughs> because you're asking for trouble if you do that. Why are we impatient? That's really a bigger question. Well, there's several reasons. First of all, pride. Believe it or not. Look, if you would, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes, just after the Proverbs, you find the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, it actually links pride with impatience. Now, notice in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse number 8, 
It says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Like there's a contrast there. There's a connection there. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit, as if to say the proud person is impatient. That's what's implied there, isn't it? We find that actually hinted at there. The reason we get impatient with people, now let's just be honest, is because we think we have our act together and they don't. Like the guy at the subway counter or Walmart counter. It's like, can't you get your act together? Can't you be as together as me? The reason we get impatient with people is we set ourselves up over them. We think we are above them. Or uh, we think we never do dumb stuff, you know, like pull out in traffic or cut somebody off. And, And so when somebody does it to us, we get really impatient with them when we actually do the same stuff and maybe just in a different manner. That is pride, thinking we're above all that. That is condescending. And uh, God will humble us when we get like that. Then secondly, turn to Luke chapter 9. There's another reason we get impatient, and it's, it's really the sign of an angry spirit. We have anger issues. And we find a couple of guys in the Bible that had anger issues. And these are the the best Christians alive at that time. These are two of the 12 apostles. They grew up in, in the home of uh, Bojangaris, or however you pronounce his name, and Jesus called them the sons of thunder. And I'm talking about James and John. They had some issues when it came to anger. And in Luke chapter 9, we pick up the story in verse number 53. It says, and they... Well, let's back up to verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go up to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elijah did? And he turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you are or are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Notice, they said, let's call down fire on these guys. I mean, burn them alive. Can you imagine that? And I always smile when I read that. Would it be that we call down fire? It's like they, they had no power to do that. And so we find they had anger issues. And they didn't uh, have any patience with these Samaritans, these half-breed Jews, because they had anger issues nonetheless. It's a sign of an angry spirit, no doubt. Anger and impatience go together. We need to work on our anger, don't we? And then thirdly, the reason people are impatient is it's often the sign of a type A person. You're so close here in Luke chapter Uh, 9, turn a page over to Luke chapter 10. Let me show you a classic type A person in the Bible. Her name is Martha. Maybe you can relate to her, and you know the story. You know that Christ showed up into the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and Martha was doing all the work, and Mary was sitting there listening to Christ. And we find out in verse number 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. 
Now, I have a couple problems with this verse. First of all, she's rebuking God. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Uh, Rebuking God. Secondly, she's telling God what to do. God, tell her that blah, 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 and so on and so forth. Well, that is just Martha, type A all the way. And she had no time for this other stuff. She was very impatient. Are you like that? I'm like that. We need to recognize that. There's another reason we get impatient with people, and it's really a sign of the times. Folks, we're living in the last days. I described them a moment ago. Minute rice and instant pudding and jello and all that just really sum up what it's like out there. And you and I are living in some very fast times, and so we tend to try and keep up by making this schedule that is just way too tight. And we have these uh, unfulfilled expectations of what we're going to get done in a given day, But we don't ever get it all done. At least I don't. And we can get kind of flustered about that as a result. And there are many times I I do wish we weren't living in these days. But this is the generation God put us in, isn't it? And so we need to learn to go with it. Now, go to Lamentations chapter 3. And let me give you a, a fifth reason why we are impatient. Lamentation is found right after the book of Jeremiah. The fifth reason we get impatient is because we are not growing, I guess, as Christian people. It's a sign of immaturity. And uh, and really, uh, we find, especially within the young, this immaturity of wanting it and wanting it now. Notice in Lamentations chapter 3 and in verse number 26, it says, it is good that a man... Well, let's back up. Verse 25 is so good. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And that's not necessarily the salvation of a soul, but for God to come through, uh, for God to come to your rescue. And then verse 27 says, It is good for a man that he should bear the yoke in his youth. Now, that's hard to do. It's a struggle to do. But we are told here to wait. And we are told that the Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. You know, we have a generation that has a hard time waiting. I've said this many times when I teach on finances. We have a generation of young people today that are trying to duplicate the lifestyle that took uh, mom and dad decades to acquire. They want all that, that stuff now. They want a house like mom and dad. They want furniture like mom and dad. They, they want to drive a car like mom and dad's. You can't believe the young people that pass me up in SUVs or some kind of fancy car that I've never owned to this day. You know, I, I, I paid for everything as, as, I, as I went, and, and uh, my very first vehicle was a 56 Chevy pickup. Well, I wish I had it now. But it was just an old vehicle then. And then I got a 1960 truck and a 1963 and a 1967. And then I really moved up. And around 1980, I bought a 73. And it was like, whoa, only seven years old. You know, the car I own right now, I, I think I got it when it was three or four years old. And it's the nicest thing I've ever had. But you get these kids, and boy, they got, they got to have a brand new car now. And, and they, they, can, they can get all of that stuff with Mr. Plastic. And they're not willing to pay the price and wait, and wait. Lamentations 3, verse 25 says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. Verse 26 says, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait. 
Verse 27 says it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. It's hard. It's tough. There are struggles. It's called delayed gratification. Why do we find this deficit in patience? Well, I said, first of all, there's pride. Secondly, anger. Thirdly, a selfishness or immaturity. Next, we find really a lack of love attached to a, a lack of patience. I get this from the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that charity or love is long-suffering. If it's really love, we will wait. And by the way, let me just say to the young people who are in here today, there are those who are, who are claiming they are in love, but they're not even married and the relationship has turned physical. I can tell you right here and now, that's not love. That's lust. God help you. You're not willing to wait. You're not in love because charity or love is long-suffering. And the average young person is clueless, clueless when it comes to what real love is. Now, it's difficult to wait on the Lord, but it's better than wishing you had. So put on the brakes and wait on God. We see the display of patience. We see the deficit of patience. Thirdly, the direction of patience. Somebody said that true patience is waiting without worrying. That really hits me in the heart. I can wait, but can I do it without worrying? True patience is waiting without worrying. Look in Second Peter chapter 1. We'll just kind of be in this vicinity for a little bit. Patience is a process that, that uh, we grow into, we build upon, uh, we add as we go. Peter talks about it here. And Peter, by the way, was one who was not very patient. We call him impetuous. But, but here he is now in his 60s by the time he's writing this second epistle of his. And uh, the very last verse of it talks about growing in grace, something he had learned to practice. And part of that growth in grace is growing in patience. Notice what he says here in 2 Peter 1, picking it up in verse 5. He says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and so on and so forth. He's talking here about a process that begins with getting saved. That's the foundation. And he calls it faith. He says, add to your faith this and then that. And can you just see him pancaking one on top of the other here saying, add this and add that. And it gets to patience. It's not the first one. It's one that we acquire as we grow. And Jesus even said, be ye perfect. That word means complete or being completed. Paul said, he that hath begun a good work in you. And so we find the direction of, of patience. It's something that we have to grow in. Turn back to James. You're so close. Chapter 1. I thought of actually making this the text for the message. In verse 1 of James, James identifies himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. And he says to him in verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or different temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith or the testing of your faith worketh or cultivates patience. And then he says this in verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, 
you students of the book know he's not talking about sinless perfection. None of us arrived there. The word perfect there means complete or maturing, growing. And he's talking here about patience growing us up. Is God ever late to you in your mind? Is God ever slow in coming around to your calendar? He is mine. But you see, God operates on a different calendar than I do. And God operates on a different calendar than you do. God has a perfect calendar. And honestly, there are some things that have never happened that I'm still waiting to happen that I don't know why they haven't happened yet. The answer will come in heaven, probably. I'll, I'll get it figured out by now. But, but you say, you say I, 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 I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible, I witness, I tithe, I'm faithful. Why isn't the answer coming? Why isn't it coming? Well, sometimes it never will come. You know, the books will all be balanced when we get to heaven. Then and only then. Then will it all be balanced out. But you and I err when we even verbally accuse God of making a mistake. Lord, why didn't you come through here? I mean, we accuse God. We need to repent and ask God to forgive us for that. But we think God has made a mistake. Patience is a sign of self-control. And Jesus said in Luke 21, In patience possess ye your souls. In patience possess ye your souls. The great Paderewski, the uh, Polish pianist, had just finished this concert. And I mean, the, the audience was spellbound. And afterwards, there was a woman who was aspiring to be a concert pianist who went up to him and, and, and she said, Oh, Mr. Paderewski, I, I was just mesmerized by the concert tonight. I, I just can't believe you've, you've spent the hours you have to attain the level of, of uh, being the artist you are. How did you ever do that? He said, well, we all have patience to do it. He said, I just decided to use mine. And that's the truth. We all have God-given patience. Are we using it? Look in Romans chapter 5. Patience is best enhanced by enduring trials. God help us to go through those trials. In Romans 5 and in verse number 3, well, let's back up to verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and so on and so forth. Notice what works patience. Tribulation. Tribulation. There was a preacher who got done preaching a message on patience. And, and a gal in the church who evidently wasn't listening too well came up afterwards and said, Oh, Pastor, would you pray that God would give me patience? And he said, Sure, let's, let's kneel right here and I'll pray that God give you tribulation. And she went, No, 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 I don't want tribulation. I want patience. And he took her to Romans 5.3, which says, We glory in tribulations also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Do we really want patience? How do we get it? What's the direction? Well, it's tribulation. Now, anyone can, you know, be patient when everything's going great. But it's tribulation that builds the patience. We can talk big otherwise. But it's patience that helps, or it's tribulation that helps us to be patient. Well, we've talked about the display, the deficit, the direction of patience. Finally, what's the dividends? the dividends of patience. There is a reward and a blessing for those who are 
willing to wait on God. There was a missionary and his wife who were on the mission field many years ago, back in the 1800s actually. And the wife came down very ill of some intestinal digestive issues that were really plaguing her. She got violently sick. And to add insult to injury at the same time, for whatever reason, their support was not being delivered to them on the field. And, and so the money got really tight. I mean, they didn't have hardly anything, not even enough money to eat. They had to go down to a steady diet of nothing but oatmeal. Three times a day. Can you imagine eating oatmeal every day for a full month? Three meals. Well, finally, she got better, of all things. They went back to the States. They, they were on furlough talking about their ordeal. They told the story of, of her uh, digestive intestinal issues there and, and uh, them having to eat oatmeal and all that. A doctor came up afterwards. He identified what she actually had. And he said, ma'am, do you know what's prescribed for whatever you had there? A very bland diet of nothing but oatmeal for three square meals. It's about the only thing that will heal it. If you'd have eaten your regular diet, you would have died. Isn't that just like the Lord? We think there's a mistake being made. It's, it's not true. Patience, in a nutshell, equals trust in God. When we are impatient, when I'm impatient, it's because I'm not trusting God. It's because you're not trusting God. The Bible says, let us, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I think there's many a prayer that has been aborted before the answer came. I think there's, there's fruit that has fallen to the ground and never been harvested because God's people gave up praying and God's people gave up witnessing and God's people gave up waiting. Jesus said just before he went back to heaven in Acts 1 and in verse 4, he said, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for it. And they did. They waited. I mean, why not start now? The whole world's going to hell. But they waited, and they had a 10-day prayer meeting, and the power fell. It's really a matter of God's timing. You know that, that uh, sin is really good things in the wrong order? Bottom line, it's like a jigsaw that was forced in, in place where it really didn't go. We need to learn to trust God. Over the years, I've seen some Christians uh, give up on God and throw in the towel and quit. And I'm telling you, a lack of patience is going to cost us some blessings. There are dividends, dividends when we learn to wait on the Lord. And it requires faith. It requires trusting God. You know, the majority of our problems we have as Christian people really can be summed up in that matter of not being willing to trust God. Can we trust God? I believe we'll see it pay off. In Lamentations 3, we're there a moment ago. In verse 25, it said, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. The Lord will bless those who wait on Him. It's worth the wait. Some of the greatest missionaries who've ever ministered in the foreign lands have had to wait. William Carey, who ministered in the region of Burma, waited seven years for his first convert. So did Adonira Judson. Uh, in West Africa, they waited 14 years for the first soul to be saved. In New Zealand, nine years. In Tahiti, 16 years. And you could go around the world, the modern day um, method of missions that have been taken place, and you could find the same testimony that really the door finally opened after years. Let me just say in closing, we need to learn to wait on God. We need to have patience with others. By the way, sometimes we need to be patient with ourselves. There are some sitting here right now, you're harder on yourself than anybody. You really are. 
and you get discouraged, you beat yourself up, and you want to quit because the devil will sit on the shoulder as the accuser of the brethren, and he'll eat your lunch. Just let God have his perfect work in you, all right? God gently nudges us. Let's not shove ourselves. Let's not shove others. God's best gifts come slowly. May we never forget that. His best gifts come slowly. Patience is not an optional virtue. It's something we really need, especially in these last days. We need to learn to trust God without despairing. And by God's grace and God's, with God's help, I believe we can get the victory. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.